Remember the 90s, when MTV still played music videos, when people still bought physical copies of albums, and when legendary musicians like Kurt Cobain and Dimebag Daryl still walked the earth? Well, now you can once again relive that decade every week on KBGA because your favorite 90s radio show, Sounds Like Teen Spirit, is back and better than ever. It's still the best show on KBGA to hear artists like Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Sublime, Megadeth, Primus, and more. Again, that's Sounds Like Teen Spirit, now on Sundays from 8 to 10 p.m., only on 89.9 KBGA Missoula.
Oasis kicking off this program with Morning Glory off their 1995 album, What's the Story, Morning Glory? Welcome to the award-winning Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. I am your iridescent host, Ian. The show you're about to hear includes music from the likes of Fugazi, LL Cool J, Sponge, Blues Traveler, Lit, Armored Saint, In Excess, The Cranberries, Dope, and The Crystal Method. Plus, I'm going to be playing one song each off the new Mr. Bungle album, The Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny Demo, and the new Eels album, Earth to Dora, both of which came out on October 30th, as well as one of the two new singles released by System of a Down on November 6th. I'll start with Mr. Bungle. Folks, a year ago, I never thought I would be saying that the finest thrash metal album of 2020 comes from a reunited Mr. Bungle, but, well, here we are. Now, in case you missed my previous Mr. Bungle coverage, allow me to back up a bit. Way back in the pre-pandemic days of February 2020, the classic Mr. Bungle lineup of Mike Patton, Trace Bruins, and Trevor Dunn performed together for the first time in 20 years on a mini-tour encompassing just New York, L.A., and San Francisco. At each of these reunion shows, the band primarily played their 1986 demo, The Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny, in full. It was a very oddball move, considering that the demo was a full-on thrash metal recording and none of the band's original three studio albums ever even really approach metal. But that's Mr. Bungle for ya. I was convinced that this meager amount of reunion shows among just three of the largest U.S. cities would be the full extent of the Mr. Bungle reunion, especially after the pandemic shut down the live music industry, but it turned out the band was just getting warmed up. By the end of March, we learned that the band was in the process of readying their first new album since 1999, a proper studio recording of The Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny that would eventually be titled The Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny Demo, despite the fact that it was an album and the 1986 demo was the demo. Admittedly, I was at first a tad underwhelmed by this announcement, as I would have preferred the first Mr. Bungle album of the 21st century to consist of fresh, newly written material. However, if this also describes your perspective, you ought to know that the band did so much more than just re-record a bunch of 34-year-old metal songs with much more expensive equipment. For starters, they had recruited founding Anthrax rhythm guitarist Scott Ian and original Slayer drummer Dave Lombardo for both the reunion shows and the recording sessions, bolstering the album's sound and giving it more of a thrash metal pedigree. Furthermore, one of the original demo's eight songs, the redundantly titled Evil Satan, had apparently been gutted, and it was replaced with three songs that were initially written during the 1986 sessions but never before recorded or released, Mathematics, Eracist, and Glutton for Punishment. Additionally, the song Hypocrites was mashed up with a cover of Habla Español o Muere, a song from Scott Ian's other band, Stormtroopers of Death, as well as the mariachi stand by La Cucaracha, if you can believe that. The band also recorded a cover of the 1985 Corrosion of Conformity song, Lost for Words, which was very likely added to the album as a tribute to founding Corrosion of Conformity drummer Reed Mullen, who died in January. 
Finally, the original track list from the 1986 demo has been completely reconfigured, and when you fold all the aforementioned additional songs into the mix, that goes a long way towards transforming the re-recording into its own beast entirely. Of course, these are all surface-level observations. Actually listening to the re-recording really drives home how new and different it is. I don't think it needs to be said that a studio album from 2020 sounds far better than a demo tape recorded by teenagers in the mid-80s, but I'm saying it anyway. In fact, the new recordings are so thoroughly superior that there's really no reason for the original demo to even exist anymore. The production on the Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny demo album is incredibly crisp, and the songs were mixed in such a way that each instrument can be heard in the mix as loudly and clearly as it ought to be heard, unlike the 1986 demo where the bass overpowers everything else. And did I mention how absolutely energetic the band sounds on the new recording? Mike Patton in particular sounds delightfully unhinged on this release, and it's easy to imagine him bouncing off the walls of the recording studio like a mad jester as he was laying down those vocal tracks. Also, the presence of thrash metal veterans Scott Ian and Dave Lombardo is very much felt, and they really do seem to gel with the rest of the band, so I'm glad they were brought on board. Ultimately, if you're a fan of Mr. Bungle and or thrash metal, this is an essential listen. Before you dive in, however, there's two more things you should be aware of. One, the album is almost a full hour long, and two, the whole thing pretty much moves at one pace, breakneck fast. I mean, I don't think even Slayer has recorded an album as consistently fast as this one. Although I was mostly enthralled with the album, I feel the whole thing would have been stronger if pared down by at least 10 minutes. I mean, I don't think we needed all 8 minutes and 45 seconds of the song Mathematics for one. I also think the album would have benefited from more tempo changes to keep things interesting and varied, and give folks an occasional break from the unrelenting sonic onslaught, but as it stands there are just enough of those moments to keep one's teeth from rattling all the way out of the skull. The album's speed and duration ensure that it will be a challenging listen for some people, but if you can get on its wavelength, you'll find something truly special within. Alright, I decided I would like to highlight one of the three previously unreleased original songs for y'all in this episode, so I'm going with my favorite of the three, which also happens to be my favorite on the entire album. Up next is the song Glutton for Punishment. Enjoy! <laughs>
This portion of KBGA is brought to you by Imagination Brewing Company. By supporting over 1,700 community events in its educational center, Imagination brews handcrafted beer to make a positive impact on Missoula and beyond. For more information about what's on tap, weekly live music offerings, or to reserve the center, call 406-926-1251 or visit imaginationbrewing.com.
California off his 2001 album The Sinister Urge. Rob Zombie had been talking up his yet to be released seventh solo album for pretty much the last year or so and now it seems he is finally ready to share. Just before Halloween Rob Zombie announced that his next album will be titled The Lunar Injection Kool-Aid Eclipse Conspiracy and be released on March 12th 2021. It will be his first album in nearly five years, following the Electric Warlock Acid Witch Satanic Orgy Celebration Dispenser from April of 2016. In addition to the album title and release date, Zombie also gave us the lead single, titled The Triumph of King Freak, parentheses, A Crypt of Preservation and Superstition. So as you can see, Rob Zombie's penchant for elaborately long song and album titles is still very much alive and well. Anyway, the new single rocks. It very much sounds like a classic Rob Zombie tune, and a particularly heavy one at that. Zombie's voice is especially booming on this track, almost like a Norse god. The full track list for the Lunar Injection Kool-Aid Eclipse Conspiracy has not yet been disclosed, but Zombie has confirmed that it will consist of 17 tracks. So, even if several of those turn out to be interludes, which have been used increasingly sparingly on more recent zombie outings, this album should still end up being significantly longer than the previous one, which clocked in at barely over half an hour. I will, of course, review and play from the new album on Sounds Like Teen Spirit sometime next March, so keep an eye out for that. 
Anyway, before Rob Zombie, I played Runaround by Blues Traveler off their 1994 album, Four. Get Back by Zebrahead off their 1998 album, Waste of Mind. Debonair by Dope off their 1999 album, Felons and Revolutionaries. My Purity by Sponge off their 1996 album, Wax Ecstatic. I Told Everyone by Dinosaur Jr. off their 2016 album, Give a Glimpse of What You're Not, and Bed for the Scraping by Fugazi off their 1995 album, Red Medicine. Once again, you're listening to Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. To like this show on Facebook, go to facebook.com slts2 and to hear this and other episodes after the fact, go to kbga.org slash teen hyphen spirit. All right, next I will be reviewing and playing a song from the new Eels album, Earth to Dora. Eels frontman Mark Oliver Everett, better known by his stage name E, has never shied away from tackling difficult subjects in his music. The band's second album, 1998's Electroshock Blues was a concept album written by E in response to his sister's suicide and his mother's cancer-related death, both of which occurred within close proximity of each other shortly after the first Eels album was released. This album ended up setting the stage for a career full of melancholy musings on heartbreak, depression, loneliness, helplessness, and the like. You would think that, Amid a year that pretty much everyone agrees has been just the worst, there would be absolutely no shortage of misery and despair in E's songwriting. However, in a stunning twist, the 2020 Eels album Earth to Dora showcases a wide-eyed, optimistic side of E that right about now feels as welcome as it is unexpected. To be clear, this is not a pandemic reaction album. Most of the songs were written either before or right at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic in the U.S. The thing that E is feeling positive about on this album is love. The inspiration behind the title and much of the lyrics of Earth to Dora comes from a text exchange between E and the band's former lighting director, a woman named Dora. Recently, Dora had been feeling a touch depressed, so E had been reaching out to her in an attempt to cheer her up. Before long, the two of them realized that their exchange made for some good song lyrics, and songwriting for the album continued from there. But the album as a whole isn't about Dora. Like the aforementioned Electroshock Blues, Earth to Dora is a concept album, but this one essentially chronicles the highs and lows of a relationship, which E had made a point to indicate was not meant to be a reflection of his own short-lived marriage. Over the course of the album, we follow the protagonist on an emotional roller coaster as he falls hard for a girl and eventually feels hurt by her, but ultimately reconciles those feelings within himself and decides he wants to be with her anyway. The narrative outlined in the songs comes through clearly and proficiently, as song lyrics continue to build off of lyrics from previous songs on the album. This level of focus and cohesion goes a long way towards making Earth to Dora a better-than-average Eels outing, but it doesn't leave much room for surprises on the musical side of the equation. The whole album is done in the quintessential Eels style of lush, wistful, sometimes offbeat indie rock, with minor variations in tempo and demeanor. 
The songs on the album do sound like they all belong together, but I feel like the album could have been made more dynamic and interesting with the inclusion of perhaps a couple of outliers or sudden mood shifts. As it stands, several of the album's songs sound almost interchangeable if you disregard the lyrics, and the songs where the main character is beaten down by love don't sound particularly distinct from the ones where he is lifted up by it. Still, the album's well-realized story arc and musical consistency help to make it a more engaging listen than the previous Eels album, 2018's The Deconstruction. Ultimately, Earth to Door should prove to be more than serviceable for Eels fans, and after enduring such a train wreck of a year, I find it rather uplifting to hear positive songwriting coming from E of all people, regardless of context. Alright, the song I'm about to play is titled, I Got Hurt. Enjoy! I know this 
listen, we don't need any fancy, super-duper promo. We don't need any of that. See, here with KVGA, we're just a student-run college radio station, and we play music. It's pretty simple. That's it.
KBGA Missoula 89.9 FM Blind date with a chancer We had oysters and dry lancers And the check when it arrived We went touch, 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 touch A redder shade of neck On a wider shade of trash And this emery board Is giving me a rash I'm
Spiders with Gimme Stitches off their 1999 album There Is Nothing Left To Lose. The Foo Fighters had been alleging since the summer of 2019 that their upcoming 10th studio album would be released in 2020 to coincide with the band's 25th anniversary. However, the COVID-19 pandemic had apparently disrupted those plans, and we ended up getting all the way through October of 2020 with no album announcement or even any indication of when we could expect one. But we got one now. On November 7th, the same day the presidential election was called, the Foo Fighters announced that the new album would be titled Medicine at Midnight and released on February 5th, 2021. They also released the lead single, Shame Shame, which was performed on Saturday Night Live later that evening. Prior to the official announcement, Dave Grohl had been suggesting that the upcoming album would be the Foo Fighters equivalent to David Bowie's 1983 album, Let's Dance, and the sound of the lead single seems to support this. Shame Shame is a light and funky pop rock song with some very apparent David Bowie undertones. It stands in stark contrast to the hard-charging, anthemic rockers that the Foo Fighters typically issue as lead singles, but I found it grew on me pretty quickly. However, if you still have yet to acclimate to the song, you may take comfort in hearing it's not meant to represent the album as a whole. The week after Shame Shame was released, Dave Grohl appeared on the podcast Rock This with Alison Hagendorf to clarify that the Medicine at Midnight album is actually a pretty well-rounded, quintessential Foo Fighters offering that touches on basically all the different musical stuff the band has done over the years. He claims that the comparisons he made to David Bowie's Let's Dance were referring to the new album's underlying groove element, which is something the band hadn't really tapped into before, and that Shame Shame was something of an outlier. But that's precisely why he chose that one to be the lead single. In Dave's own words, Because it's unlike anything we've ever done, I thought, okay, this is a good place to start. This should be the first thing people hear because it's indicative of this sort of left turn we've taken a little bit. Although I ultimately dug the new single and am generally up for anything from the Foo Fighters, I actually feel better knowing the album will be more familiar than I was expecting. This everything-but-the-kitchen-sink, looking-back-but-also-looking-ahead approach that Dave just outlined sounds like a great way to commemorate the Foo Fighters' silver anniversary, and I look forward to reviewing and playing from the album for you all early next year. Anyway, before the Foo, I played Rollo by Helmet off their 1994 album Betty. Shady Lane by Pavement, off their 1997 album, Bright in the Corners. Lipstick and Bruises by Lit, off their 2001 album, Atomic. Bitter Tears by NXS, off their 1990 album, X. Darkness by Rage Against the Machine, off the soundtrack to the 1994 movie, The Crow. And Curmudgeon by Nirvana off the deluxe edition of their 1991 album, Nevermind. You're still listening to Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. To like this show on Facebook, go to facebook.com SLTS2. And to hear this and other episodes after the fact, go to kbga.org teen hyphen spirit. All right. 
The Foo aren't the only notable 90s band issuing a new album in February. That is also the month the Melvins are targeting for their next release. The Melvins typically put out new albums on an almost annual basis, so it's a little concerning that they haven't issued one since April of 2018. Fortunately, the wait for the next Melvins album won't be much longer. Last week, the band announced that their next album will be titled Working With God and released on February 26th. To preview the album, the band issued two new songs to coincide with the announcement. The first is a rather profane cover of the Beach Boys' 1964 hit, I Get Around, which has been retitled, I Fuck Around. The cover basically updates the lyrics to include a lot more F-bombs, at a rate of about one per line. I must say, given that the average Melvin song sounds absolutely nothing like the Beach Boys, it's surprising how much of the original version sound is preserved in this cover. It's basically the equivalent of Buzz Osborne singing Drunken Karaoke, and in the official press release announcing the new album, Osborne cheekily remarks, We hope Brian Wilson doesn't get mad. Honestly, I think he would be a little upset if this managed to pop up on his radar against all odds, but considering what the phrase getting around translates to, I don't think he can get too worked up about it. Since I Huff Around is essentially just a prime example of the Melvins huffing around, so to speak, it would be underwhelming if it served as our only initial taste of the upcoming Melvins album. But that's where the second new song, Bouncing Rick, comes in. Bouncing Rick sounds much more like a traditional Melvins song, if such a concept even exists, and it's a pretty awesome one at that. It's got sort of a punk rock momentum not unlike the most rollicking Butthole Surfers tracks. However, Butthole Surfers bassist Jeff Pincus, who had been a major contributor on the Melvins' more recent outings, is nowhere to be found on this song, or album for that matter. In fact, this particular album was recorded with the original 1983 lineup of Buzz Osborne, Dale Crover, and Mike Dillard, just like the 2013 album Tres Cabrones. So far, I'm pleased to report that what we've heard off the upcoming album is a reassuring indicator that it'll be every bit as cool and weird as the usual Melvin's album, and I very much look forward to reviewing and playing from it for you all in a few months' time. For now, here's the Melvins with Creepy Smell off their 1989 album Ozma.
This is Silver Sprocket, host of Something Else, live every Wednesday from 8 to 10 p.m. right here on KBGA Missoula 89.9 FM. I feature avant-garde, electroacoustic, free jazz, and more creative music every week. You'll get to hear advanced new releases straight from the artists and record labels before anybody else and extensive interviews with the artists themselves. How about you give something else a try? Live every Wednesday from 8 to 10 p.m. on KBGA Missoula, 89.9 FM, and streaming at kbga.org. Just kick a little something for them cars that be bumping. Yeah, but we need a beat that they can front to. Oh, that works. Be funky. You know what I'm saying? Cars ride drive with the booming systems. Cars ride drive. Cars ride drive with the booming systems. Funky. Cars ride drive. All the cars out there and all the brothers. I like the front they ride. Cars ride drive. Check it out. You know it's funky, 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 cause you heard it from hearsay. A jam that you love that don't be getting no airplay. Strictly for fronting when you're riding around. 12 o'clock at night with your windows down. Headlights breaking cause your battery's drained. Armor all on your tires and a big gold chain. Parking outside all the hip-hop spots. Push the EQ and play connect the dots. Leaning to the side, people everywhere. The trunk full of amps, there ain't no room for a spare. Big beats bumping with the bass and back. All the sophisticated suckers catch a heart attack. Cause they don't understand why I act this way. Pumping up the funky beat until the break of day. It's because I want attention when I'm riding by. And the girls be on my jock cause my systems fly. Girlies wanna ride with a brother like me Cause they be hear me getting funky frequently They tell me don't drink and drive I say what is this? Mind your business And passing around Laid back hypnotized by the funky sound People in the street see me bobbing my head While I'm checking out the rapper and the rhyme that he said I'm fronting and I don't care if you know The back seat of my car is like a disco show You would think I was a good friend of Al Capone Crazy air freshener, who needs cologne? Bottom to the bottom to the top to the top Cruise It's three o'clock, the girlies, they smile They see me coming, I'm steady humming I got the funk that drama drumming My trunk be shaking, vibrating and rattling Pumping so loud, all the shorties be battling A right hand man's here without the swing Every chance I get, I'm showing off my rings I can keep it up until the break of dawn Cause I'm fronting in my ride and my word is born You know what I mean? Sunroof open so I can feel the wind blow I don't give a damn if it cracks my back window C to the O to the O to the L to the I to the N to the F to the R to the O to the N to the T to the I to the N that means I'm chillin', like Spoonie G said, my seats are soft like a bed, they recline way back so I can get real cozy. I got the gangster tapes in the place, like a bass head would say, I want bass, I want a hit, I want a dose. You're rollin' up smiling, but you can't come close, cause my system is pumping loud. Like Rakim said, I wanna move the crowd, I warm it up with pain, fight the power with P.E., tell the cops you got to chill with EPMD. This is something devastating that'll break your trunk, and remember Uncle Ella's like the so next time you're in your ride, pumping it up, just remember, it's cool. 
Yo, what's up? This is Afro Man. Hey, this is Bass Nectar. We're the Dodging Mountain Man. The Hood Internet. Hey, this is Michael Franti. This is Dude F.O. Infected Mushroom. And we are from the band. Up. You're listening to KBGA, Missoula.
Smashing Pumpkins with Jelly Belly off their 1995 album Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. The Smashing Pumpkins may be gearing up to release a new double album titled Seer this Friday, but they've already disclosed their plans for the next one after that. Before I get into all of it, did you know that the Melancholy album, along with 2000's Machina album, were meant to be parts one and two of a trilogy? Well, the Pumpkins intended to make the concluding album to that trilogy way back in the day, but as you may well be aware, the band's initial run fell apart long before that plan could come to fruition. Now that the original lineup is mostly back together, it seems the members are intent on finishing unfinished business. Last month, right around the 25th anniversary of Melancholy's release, frontman Billy Corgan revealed that the band was working on the long-awaited sequel to Melancholy and Machina, finally capping off an album trilogy begun a quarter century ago. More specifically, Corgan described the upcoming album as a rock opera, like The Who's Tommy or Green Day's American Idiot, if you need examples, that would consist of a whopping 33 songs. That tidbit suggests the album will be even longer than Melancholy, which was comprised of 28 songs totaling just over two hours. You might imagine that such an ambitious album would be a ways off, especially since its immediate predecessor still has yet to be released. But in all likelihood, the album will arrive sooner than you think. The band is reportedly pretty far along with the album, having made significant progress on it while simultaneously working on the more imminent Seer. In fact, Corgan claims that they have all 33 songs pretty much figured out already, and the album could see the light of day by the end of 2021. He also claimed that, once the COVID-19 pandemic is over and live music returns in full force, the band intends to embark on a massive, highly theatrical arena tour that would celebrate the entire trilogy of Melancholy, Machina, and TBA. Naturally, I will continue to update y'all on the Smashing Pumpkins trilogy ending album plans, and you can look forward to hearing me review and play multiple songs from Seer on the next episode of Sounds Like Teen Spirit. Anyway, before the Pumpkins, I played Under My Voodoo by Sublime off their 1996 self-titled. Ridiculous Thoughts by The Cranberries off their 1994 album No Need to Argue. Reign of Fire by Armored Saint off their 1991 album Symbol of Salvation. Can't You Trip Like I Do by The Crystal Method and Filter off the 1997 soundtrack album for Spawn. And... The Boomin' System by LL Cool J, off his 1990 album Mama Said Knock You Out. And that about wraps up a ridiculous episode of Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. I've been your host, Ian. Alright, I'm concluding this episode with a new single from System of a Down. As you might imagine... The release of new music from System of a Down is no minor event. The band hadn't put out any music since 2005, and were still a relatively new band with loads of untapped potential when they initially went on hiatus in 2006, leaving fans frothing at the mouth for more. 
And despite that the band have been reunited and touring again for almost a full decade now, they somehow haven't made any headway on a new album in that time. We have been given varying and cryptic explanations from different band members as to why a new album wasn't on the way, and the most we can surmise is that frontman Serge Tonkian, and or guitarist Darren Malakian, is holding up all album progress for reasons we can only speculate on. I believe the closest we came to getting a new system album was right after the 2016 election, when the band disclosed that they were prepping a 17-track album for release the following year. But by July of 2017, they had completely walked back that proclamation, and that was around the time I stopped holding my breath. So imagine my surprise when, right after the 2020 election, the band dropped two new singles completely out of the blue. Alas, these two songs aren't the first taste of a long-overdue album. Rather, the band recorded and released them to raise awareness of war centered around the Middle Eastern country Armenia, of which all four members have heritage. As the statement issued to coincide with the new music outlines, the hotly contested region of Artsakh, which is internationally recognized as belonging to Azerbaijan, but predominantly populated by Armenians, was attacked by combined forces from Turkey and Azerbaijan on September 27th. Those regimes are reportedly committing genocidal acts and other atrocities in the region, and are apparently counting on all the other sh** that's been going down in 2020 to distract the rest of the world. The statement alleges that all band royalties from the new songs will be donated to Armenia Fund, a U.S.-based charity that works to provide Armenians in Artsakh with supplies needed for survival. It would seem that the band's awareness campaign was a resounding success. Just four days after the new singles were released, it was reported that Russia, Armenia, and Azerbaijan all signed an agreement to end all military conflict in the Artsakh region. And later that week, System of a Down reported that they had raised over $600,000 for Armenia Fund. However, since then they went ahead and crushed any and all expectations for more new music. Allegedly due to continued infighting, the band is no closer to moving forward with a new album than they were in the past. But the war in Artsakh was such a personal cause for them that they were able to put their conflicting egos aside just long enough to record those two songs. So please continue to not hold your breath, folks. Anyway, the two new songs are titled Protect the Land and Genocidal Humanoids. And even though System had previously suggested that anything new they put out would sound completely different from all their previous stuff, these two songs seem to pick up right where the band left off with the mesmerized-slash-hypnotized double album from 2005. Protect the Land is a five-minute track with a heavy mid-tempo sound that would have fit right in on the hypnotized disc, strongly evoking songs like Holy Mountains and the disc's title track. Meanwhile, Genocidal Humanoids is a two-and-a-half-minute song with a faster, more frenetic tempo that would have sounded perfectly at home on the Mesmerize disc. To be clear, even though the Hypnotize and Mesmerize albums are my least favorites from System of a Down, I still think they're pretty awesome. And I think the new songs, apparently coming from that same creative headspace, are pretty awesome as well. I've had a difficult time deciding which one I was going to play for y'all tonight. I kind of want to play them both, really. 
but I ultimately settled on the longer of the two songs because I felt it would make for a good closing track. And so, to close out this episode, here's Protect the Land by System of a Down. Adios! Would you stay and then take a man?